If you're a frequent listener of the podcast and you haven't already done this, pause right now. Click that button, pause, and go sign up for your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com. TeamBuilder provides strength and conditioning software to athletics programs across the country. Whether you write your own programs or want a resource for new training programs, TeamBuilder is the way to go. Visit their website, start your 14-day free trial, teambuilder.com. Use the promo code SPREAD, S-P-R-E-A-D, and you can get a 10-week spread offense tempo training program. Just like that. Very cool service. Everything from science questionnaires to savable and downloadable, uh, I guess you'd call them like macro and, and micro programs. You got videos that athletes can can watch if they happen to be in the weight room and you're not there, or you know maybe they have to go lift in the uh, student fitness room, right, the rec center, whatever it is. This is gonna make your life a whole lot easier. Take it from me, I use it. But then again, who am I anyway? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's definitely helped me a lot. excited about this because uh well one pata to me you're one of the uh you're like the most interesting man in the world to me with uh, the <laughs> stories that you have <laughs> so i think this is going to be good um okay but before we get into that i wanted to ask since you guys are a little bit more seasoned of coaches than i am does it ever become less awkward when a female co- or a female athlete says something that she didn't think through quite all the way and she says it to you, and you're like, oh, damn it. Like, does it ever become less awkward or less funny? Uh, what are you asking about? So, I so mean, for instance, let's say... Let's, she's got her period or what? No, 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 no. Let's say, like, uh, let's say you're doing, like, manual resistant clamshells, right? Oh, Some yeah. kind of manual abduction. Yeah, And you That'll finish with an time. athlete. Yeah, you finish with an athlete, and then another one's like, hey, can you do me next? <laughs> and you're just like, oh, honey, couldn't yeah. you have just... <laughs> I'll, I'll do you one better, man. Here's what's even okay. worse. I, I got so I got a football player who's a good kid, but likes he, he likes to talk about things that he doesn't actually do. Okay. He's a good kid. He's dating one of our stud softball players. So every time he says a comment about a woman, he doesn't realize I know who his girlfriend is. <laughs> like, hey, hey, you need to push a little harder. Yeah, that's what she said. Really? Should I ask her if that's what she said? Because she'll tell me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, that's actually a lot better. <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't opened my mouth because they're both really good kids, good students. He's just, yeah. you know, got that football mentality. Um, so I don't want to get Title Nine, so I haven't said anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well no, I mean, there's so much innuendos thrown around in the weight yeah. room. I mean, geez, we got snatches, jerks. That's true. Um, <laughs> you know, you're using your uh, hip at an abduction, manual resistance stuff. Yeah. You know, we're doing some manual resistance neck, and one of our hockey players is like, hey, coach, when you're done, could you come over here and give me some yep. neck? <laughs> <laughs> hey, on, think about a second. And then, then yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, Pat, I know you have. Uh, Mike, have you listened to any of the episodes yet? I have tried, um, but I um, I couldn't find them on my podcast app, and I didn't have a chance yeah. to sit down and listen to them online. I've been busier than I've ever been lately. I just got back today from the from the Kentucky State Clinic, uh, okay, and I had to leave work straight from work to drive four and a half hours to get to that Friday. Um, so now I've been super busy. Well, in that case, then we're gonna we're gonna stop the episode right now, and we're just gonna <laughs> get somebody else. No, I'm just kidding. Fair uh, enough. But, Fair but, enough. So, what I like to do for my intros is just do a, something a little bit different than just be like, "Hey, tell us who you are." Blah blah blah. Okay. So, what I want from you guys, and Pat, I've been saving this one especially for you. 
Oh man. No, I can't wait. I want it. So, so you're going to give us your name, where you're working, right? Uh, Mike, in your instance, give us the role that you're kind of playing in this discussion. Okay. Uh, and then I want you guys to give me what your guilty pleasure music is, whether that's an artist, a song, whatever it is. Oh, Something I got that. You're that. just embarrassed uh, to say that you like. Just one. It could be just one. You can do multiple. I wear I wear headphones so other people can't hear what I'm listening to. Not because I don't want to hear what they're listening to. I don't want to be embarrassed by all the music I listen to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So whoever wants to start, uh, go ahead. Carmen, please. All right. Fine. <clears throat> My name is Carmen Pata. I'm the director of athletic performance at the University of Wisconsin River Falls. And my guilty music pleasure, and Lance, I see you smirking because yeah. you already know what it is. <laughs> but uh, believe it or not, one of my favorite songs of all time is Share If I Could Turn Back Time. Yes. <laughs> That's a good choice. That's a good there choice. There you go, Mike. Solid. Uh, <clears throat> I'm Mike Carroll. I'm the head strength and conditioning coach at Emory and Henry College. I'm the fitness center director at Emory and Henry College. I'm the interim track and field throws coach at, at Emory and Henry College this year. Um, and my guilty pleasure artist is uh, the Lonely Island. Okay. <laughs> I like I like to have fun when I lift, so that's that's my go-to if I need to pick me up. Well, I won't leave you guys no. not knowing mine. Mine, and I'm I'm pretty embarrassed by this one. Cause it's just trash music, uh, but it's Little Pump. Interesting. Yes, I don't know why. It's like it's so ignorant that I just can't help but like it. <laughs> Give me a song, Lance. Little Pump. You don't know? Um, yeah. Oh, why can't I think of the one song? Um, oh, why is that just? Wow, that that makes me feel like an idiot now that I can't think of one of his songs. Give me one second. I'm gonna I'm gonna look yeah. this up because I don't want to. Oh my why, god! Why am I just? You got one, Mike? No, but I'm looking at this guy's picture. Holy cow! Yeah, he's a he's an interesting dude. <laughs> Where are we at? Discography. I know as soon as I see it. Oh, Gucci Gang. Oh yeah, I think some of our hockey guys played that. Yeah, I, I think you probably have have heard it. But now, with with all that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get into the meat and potatoes of this and i think we're gonna start off hot here okay so we're talking uh snc and salaries and i think mm -hmm. the biggest question that everyone wants an answer to mike because uh i guess we forgot to do that in your intro but you're kind of representing the nsca in this this conversation oh, right yeah um in addition to the other little things i do i'm the uh, chair of the college coaches special interest group for the nsca and Carmen actually was just voted in as our newest executive council member. I saw that. I gave that a thumbs down. Oh, well. But, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> to each their own. That's right. Yep. Um, but I think, I think the one question that people really want to know, and I want you to answer it on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being you're sitting at your grandmother's house watching the puppy bowl, all right, or a 10 being you just climb Mount Everest without using your hands. How excited are you for the royal baby? Wow, that came out of left field. Um, yeah, what 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 country's royal baby? I don't uh, get out UK. much. I don't get out much. <laughs> the U that'd be the UK, Prince Harry. Um, <laughs> good for them, man. Good for them. One more for them, zero for me. I'm I'm all for it. There you go. Congrats. Uh, but let's get serious, and uh, we're just going to talk about the. <laughs> we're going to talk about the what I think a lot of people would say is the uh, the pay gap and strength conditioning. Oh, yeah. And I, I pulled up some numbers from a bunch of different sources, including uh, the NSCA when they did their um, uh, the survey that they did. Yeah, last year. And yeah, and basically breaking it down, we're looking at an average of twenty two dollars an hour, with sixty five percent of jobs being below fifty k. Okay. Whereas is that, that twenty two dollars an hour at a forty hour work week? Uh, that's a great yeah. question. That's, yeah. I, I don't I don't have information on that one. Okay. But so now in comparison. A master's degree for a psychologist, they get $34 an hour, and only 20% of the jobs are under 50K. Yep. Thoughts on that? Well, you know, to me, it goes back to perceived value. Do universities value what we as professionals are trying to do? Yep. I mean, for better or worse, we're sort of seen as people who teach others to lift things up and put them down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how is that 
in relationship to the university's overall performance? How does that compare to a psychology teacher who is teaching class and lecturing? Now, on the flip side, I don't think our university has no clue the the work that I actually do with athletes, right? Yeah. The lifting and running is one thing. At one point in the semester, I've had four athletes in my office um, contemplating suicide. I've had a couple people with unplanned pregnancies, um, males, you know, whose girlfriends got pregnant or a female athlete who got pregnant herself. Yep. Um, you know, and I think they come to us, and maybe, Mike, you want to chime in on this because we're the neutral party. Yeah. We're not controlling playing time. Yeah. We're not doing anything else. We're, 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 as strength and conditioning coaches, we're support staff, but at the same time, we support the athletics department. I mean, mm -hmm. if you want to have a winning program, and there's data that shows this, schools that have strength and conditioning coaches, by and large, have more successful athletic programs. They also have healthier student populations and staff. Yeah. So, yeah, we assist the the sport coaches, but at the same time, we kind of hold everything up a little bit because that school's not going to bring in as much money if the athletics aren't as successful, and we're helping the athletics to be more successful than than an equal team that doesn't have strength and conditioning. Mm -hmm. You know, I and, and I agree with Carmen. One of the things I tell my interns is, as strength and conditioning coaches at the collegiate level, we're charged with educating our athletes on what strength and conditioning is, educating our fellow sport coaches on what strength and conditioning is and what we yep. actually do, and educating our supervisors on what strength and conditioning is and what we actually do. We, we just have to do that. Um, yep. And a lot of the time, we're not... Uh, our supervisors are not familiar with the world of strength and conditioning or athletic performance. They may have been athletes previously, but they don't know what it is to do stre real strength and conditioning. They know what it, they may know what it's like to lift weights or run, but to put together programs, to put together annual plans, to work with all the personalities, to negotiate with the coaches, to run the room, um, they have no idea. And, and unfortunately, it, it is up to us to, to educate them um, so that we get a more fair and, and uh, Un, unbiased uh, review when we come, when it comes time for our annual reviews. Yeah. And, and one of the, the main reasons why I wanted to do this episode was not so much to talk about the, the huge pay gap that we do have. Uh, if you look at certain coaches and whatnot, but more along the lines of like, what is it that organizations such as the NSCA are actually doing to help decrease these pay gaps and help make it a more even playing field, if you will. I'll, I'll take that right off the bat. Um, because a lot of people ask me that as the chair of the SIG, a lot of people ask me uh, that same question. And what I always tell them is the NSCA is not um, an organization to increase salaries. They're not trying to bump up salaries directly. They don't have that kind of power uh, when it comes to the NCAA. So the NSCA is more about pushing the field forward, pushing the profession forward. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the biggest things they've done for salaries is they did the survey in 2018 so that we could get, you know, get these numbers out in the open and people could start talking about it and people could see, hey, we're not all Chris Doyle. We're not all yeah. making six figures, you know, right. um, and, and uh, Matt Nine from Salisbury University and I did an, uh, an informal survey of 100 Division Three strength coaches uh, back in 2016. And, and the pay difference was insane. I was one of the lowest paid strength coaches in Division Three at the time. Wow. Um and it's, it's just, it, it is completely unfair, but you know, I can't just turn to the NCAA or the NSCA and say, Hey, I'm certified through you. I'm a member. You need to fight for me to get a better salary. It's, it's just not what they do. You know, if you look at the mission statement of the NCAA, they're there to push the field forward to uh, promote research and professional development. Um, and I think a big thing that they do is they build community. They do, uh, and they are advocates for us, but they can't control what we get paid because that's at a per institution uh, level, yep. you know? So, yep. I mean, really, if we're, if we're talking about what the impact the NSCA has, um, I think it's more, they have more of an impact on um, creating standards, putting out positions, putting out the research that helps to make us better. And mm -hmm. if we make ourselves better, and we hold ourselves to that higher standard, then our institutions have to recognize that eventually. They have to see the value in what we do. Yeah. Yep. And going off that, Mike, I think hands down the best thing the NSCA could have done was put out that unbiased salary survey. 
because now uh, I presented that to our HR department and it's no longer me just saying, oh, woe is me. Look at, look at where my salary's at and look at an average professional with the number of years and experience and education that I have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, they, and this is where being at a public institution versus private institution like yourself, Mike, this might sway things because we're sort of locked where the state of Wisconsin says, this is how your position is written. This is what we can do. And I mean, going back to the article I wrote on team builder, there are four of us in our, in Wisconsin, in the Wisconsin state university conference, they have strength coaches and none of us are classified the same way. <laughs> wow. And so our state can't even identify what a strength coach is much more or less, um, an appropriate salary range compensation package and moving on there. You know, that for us, that's a bigger state level conversation. Unlike an athletic trainer, you go to any of the state schools and you walk in the door as a athletic trainer level one. And once you have this much experience and this much continuing education, then you get to go to level two, which is a new banding range, new higher, lower pay scale. And, um, some other benefits as well. Yeah. And just so just so people kind of know what numbers we're, we're talking about here. So for the university collegiate level, the average salary from the 2018 survey was uh, $49,286. And that the, the, the variance on that is insane. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> when I first started in the field and got my first head strength coach position, I was making less than 20K. Yeah. You know, and that's for 60 plus hour weeks. Mm hmm. You know, and it's, and again, it's, it's the NSCA, they, they can't really do much directly about that. It's up to us. And, and I, like I said, people ask me this question as the chair of the SIG, they ask me all the time, what's the NSCA doing to, to, to get us more money and make us more respected in our profession? Well, I tell everybody it's going to be grassroots when that happens. We, it starts with the coaches because it's per institution. So as coaches, if we want to push things forward uh, professionally and with our salaries, we have to take it upon ourselves um, to resist those taking those low paying jobs that, that may have too many secondary duties. You know, it's tough when you're a starving intern, you just want to get your foot in the door, but you have to hold, you know, you have to do that for the profession, for yourself and for the future of the profession. And honestly, we've got to treat our, our next generation of strength coaches better than we were treated. The old adage is, you know, when, when I was an intern, I worked 60 hours a week scrubbing floors and I didn't get paid for two years. Well, that's great. You, you, you know, you earn where you are now. That's great. But if we don't want to continue uh, the same, doing the same thing, going through the same cycle, we as strength coaches um, who are now in a position of more power need to help out the next generation. We have to offer pay or better pay to interns, professional interns. Yes. Um, we have to try to give them better hours. We have to try and educate them and provide more continuing education for that next generation so that they have that expectation. And then the value grows at the institution. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Well, Lance, can I bring you up in your time at River Falls? Yeah, go right ahead. Are you all right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Lance, Mike, Lance came in and worked with me for a little over a year, yep. right? And I think your your contract was written for uh, 10 month, ten was it $10,000? I think it was somewhere around there, yeah. It was like $1,000 a month. And that is, for at the time, you completed your undergrad, you had your CSCS, and you had your master's, yep. correct? I mean, and I think on the original call, it was, hey, I'm, you are way overqualified for this position, yes. but this is all I can offer. You know, what else? You know, of course, we we're bringing, doing professional development clinics and exposing other people, but that's where we're at. And I had to beg and plead to get that price point for somebody. And it basically came down to our athletic director saying, well, do you want help or not? Yeah. And I, you know, it's embarrassing. It is. And it's, and it's, it's in a way it's shameful for the institutions to, to say, Hey, we'll pay less than minimum wage is what it comes out to. We'll pay someone less than minimum wage to do this job that you have to be highly qualified for. Yeah. And it's I think it's worth pointing out when you're talking about salaries um, and, and not to discredit any sport coaches, um, 
you know, that in the NCAA, but strength and conditioning coach is the only position in the NCAA that is required to have continuous ongoing certification through a national governing body. No other, no other position has to have that from athletic director down to third assistant on a basketball team or 12th assistant on a football team, you know, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. we're usually not paid equal to a lot of those coaches. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I, you know, it's, it's almost laughable what some of these jobs are offering. And and I do think it's getting better. I think that especially with uh, the high school side of things uh, starting to, to, to grow a lot, um, I honestly think that the, the salaries we're seeing at the high school level are, are starting to push the salaries we see at the college level. Because if, if an area has a really good high school coach and, and they have a college and the college, you know, says, invites that person to apply and says, we'd like you to come work here. But they can't match that salary or, or even the hours or the quality of life they're getting at that high school. Well, they're not going to get the quality guy they're looking for or the quality woman they're looking for. Um, they're going to have to step up. So, you know, hopefully – um, the growth we're seeing at the high school level pushes the college level forward and, and hopefully they, they interplay as well. Yeah. And the, the, the high school level is actually uh, the average from that survey was almost the exact same as the college level too. I think mm-hmm. there's like a $200 difference. Yep. Yep. And Mike, on the flip side, maybe it's just the areas that we're living in. If you wanted to coach football, basketball, in your case, track, you would actually make more at a high school than you are at my college. Yeah. Yep. And that's sort of the grim reality of it. And don't ask me why you would, you'd hope that being at a college, you know, as a collegiate professional, there should be a, other than the level of status increase, there should be a compensation with that as well with the recruiting and everything else that needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. We were talking uh, talking about like making making the salaries better for those that are coming up behind us, sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and going off of that survey from the NSCA, we only had five percent uh, strength and conditioning coaches that had less than a year's worth of experience. Does that say something about the industry? What does a year's worth of experience mean? That's a great question. I, I don't that, know. I didn't do the survey. <laughs> that full-time experience is, you know, is that an internship? Is that, you know, you have a GA. Does that count as a couple years worth of experience? I don't think that counts for the uh, registered strength conditioning coach. Right. Through the NSCA. You have to, have, that has to be full-time employment, correct? Yes. So, I mean, we know the market's super saturated. Yeah. And, and you know which go ahead go ahead carmen go ahead no i was just saying this market's saturated to a point where that's where um they can afford to have you know people take in lance's case with a master's degree taking a low-paying position because that's what he needed to do to get experience to get his foot in the door yep. which eventually led him to the position he's at right now right yeah, and, and like I was saying before, we have to treat the next generation better, but that doesn't mean the next generation should be handed everything. There will still there will still be a need. Um, you know, I'm I'm really against handouts, but there will still be a need for volunteers. You know, there's yes. nothing wrong with volunteering, but you volunteer of your own volition. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If, if you're going through an intensive two, three week, multiple interview process to do an unpaid position. In my opinion, that's a waste of time, and that's a shameful thing for for an institution to have, to do to somebody. Um, you know, just like having having a, the position of a professional intern. What makes an intern professional? You know, yeah. in my experience, that means you're overqualified and underpaid, and that's what the title. You know, everything I've experienced. Maybe, Carmen, maybe you've seen something different, but professional interns I've seen they're they're the lowest person on the totem pole and they just had that position because the school only has x amount of dollars and they want to hire somebody that's certified and meets their standards but they can't pay them a lot so they just call them a professional intern instead of an assistant yeah it's sort of like you were reading my post on the sig where i was advertising for a professional intern like yeah well i mean i've, I've had them i've had professional interns that's it's uh i know that's sort of where we're at we're trying to grow it Two, um, I mean, the strategy I'm using, and maybe this is wrong, is 
I'm trying to bring these people in, show value, improve the athlete experience, show value to the university in teaching uh, some rec courses, doing um, other, other things on campus to sort of have that aha moment of, hey, maybe we need to make this a full-time position. Mm-hmm. We need to bump it up mm-hmm. and start increasing benefits, start increasing salary, and you know, show it what it's like when we don't have these people here. Because you know, when Lance left us, no offense, Lance. No, you're good. I I lost your position. Oh, really? Yeah. It and you know, the university said it was a cost savings event, but um, however you want to look at that, we're down a position. So now it's two of us doing three or four person people's jobs. Oh yeah. yeah. And it's just and the athletes suffer, and, you know, we've shown that. The increased time to the, our HR department, we talked to our administration about that, and, you know, I don't know what else I can do to beat the drum any louder of, you know, can you please take care of us and make life, you know. I got a little kid. Lance has got one on the way. It's really hard working 60, 70 hours a week when you have a 3-year-old who's, you see um maybe if he wakes up with you early enough in the morning at like four thirty and you maybe see him a half hour before bed. Yeah. And that's just that's not fair to him. It's not fair to my wife and and the athletes suffer too. And that shouldn't that shouldn't be the standard. It just shouldn't be. We're we're in no. we're in an age when when uh you know things like this don't need to happen, and, and res- out of respect from the institution, they sh- you know they should try to improve that situation. They should be actively trying to improve it, and that's not always going to result in uh, more staff or more pay. But you know they should be working right along with you to try and make things as efficient as possible to to have a, a decent quality of life. Yeah, yep. I mean as as an employee of the institution, I think they owe that to you. No, agreed. And I know exactly what you're talking about, Pata, when you're. Uh... Talking about that because I'm I'm working with ten teams by myself. I had an intern for like half a semester and then he went away. Um, and then we had talks just recently about up in the budget so that way we can do some remodels because they built this weight room. I think it was twenty plus years ago on top of a pool that used to be there. So there's all kinds of rust and everything's just falling apart. And they're like, oh, actually, we're just going to give you the same budget we've given the strength and conditioning coach the last ten years. I know it's an unfortunate thing, yeah. but it all comes down to resources and how do you improve your resources? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a whole big another conversation yep. in its, of itself. Yeah. Is there uh, anything that we haven't talked about yet, Pat? Like numbers wise, that you had brought up in your article that you might want to mention? Oh man! If not, it's fine. We can move on to other things that I have. I'm just curious whether or not we maybe missed something. No, I think we hit all sort of the major, major points. Okay. And yeah, go ahead. All right. Um, so let's talk about before we move into like the polarizing thing. I think uh, <laughs> let's talk about what kind of new ideas or plans that are coming out of the uh, NSCA right now. Like obviously we're we're switching to the uh, accredited um, CSC, CSCS, right? Yep. Uh, what other kind of like new things? are being done behind the scenes to try to continue to push the profession on? Um, that you can talk about. I was just going to say, things I can talk about. Let me think about that. <laughs> um, we're working on a couple projects. I'm, I'm trying. We've had some initiatives in the SIG that we've been working on for about a year now. Um, and one of the things we're trying to do, which is actually pretty simple, it's just, you know, we're all busy college strength coaches, right. is the NSCA website has – um, a high school coaches resource page where they talk about how to build a high school program, how to approach the administration, um, how to select equipment, you know, how to, how to do liability insurance, stuff like that. Um, so we've got a couple, a couple members of the executive council are actually working on putting together the information for a college coaches resource page that will cover similar topics, but things that are specific to the college level, um, both NAI and NCAA. Um, and we'll, we'll be a little bit more broad, um, we're looking to cover topics such as um, retirement, looking out, you know, choosing the right benefits, um, things that, that commonly aren't uh, aren't discussed when you're hired um, in depth. 
So we're trying to, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to advocate for our college coaches through the SIG and let them know that we're a community. It's not the NSCA leading the charge in, in terms of, like I said before, upping salaries and whatnot, but we as a community are looking out for each other and working to build things from the grassroots level on up as much as we can. Yeah. Which that actually segues beautifully into the next thing I want to talk about. And, and that's just kind of like, why should someone, let's say somebody like me, uh, care about getting involved with the NSEA and, and helping out joining SIGs and stuff like that? Well, I think some of the big reasons is that volunteer experience. When you're looking at, I mean, if you're looking at things from the collegiate standpoint, being part of that national governing body of our organization gives you as a professional more credibility, mm -hmm. not with the athletes, but with the administration. And that, you know, we keep running around this idea of salary and compensation for our time. Um, that's part of my annual review process of I am on the state of Wisconsin, uh, not conference committee, but the state of Wisconsin, NSCA comp, uh, state. Why am I stumbling board? over this word? The board? Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. No that was a tough word, Mike. I appreciate you there for me. Um, we're, on, we're here for each I'm other. I'm on the state advisory board. I know you're talking about this collaborative <laughs> community. Um, and now part of on the college SIG executive council too. And that just, our college and maybe your twos are a little bit different, but my college really wants its members, uh, its employees to be part of things like this. Mm -hmm. And that helps give me some more credibility for retention, uh, raises, you know, those sort of things. So as part of your question of why you should be involved I'm selfishly get involved for that yeah I I would say um, why not get involved I mean if you if you want to be in this profession you know don't just sit on the edge of the pool you know belly flop get in there you know cannonball be a part of it because when I was starting out in this field I got my CSCS in uh, 2006 and I, I honestly thought um, I had no background you know in strength and conditioning at that time, but I got, I got my certification as soon as I got it. I thought, okay, well, I'm a strength coach. I'm going to start applying places. I can get hired anywhere. I've got the certification. It's great. Mm -hmm. It's just your foot in the door, <laughs> you know? And yep. then I spent several years with my certification, applying to job after job, after job, after job, after job, not getting those jobs. And what really opened things up for me was being in the community of strength coaches, seeing what the NSCA mm -hmm. could do for its members community wise, professionally. Um, you know, the, the NSCA isn't is trying to support the profession of strength and conditioning as a whole yes members are what drive the nsca but if we look at the nsca compared to the many 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 non-accredited certifications or organizations that, that that have certifications that may or may not be accredited um the nsca is doing i think more by and large than all of these other organizations do to help their members and at the same time promote the field and push it forward uh, with the NSCA, you've got clinics, conferences, they promote research, they have grants, they have mm -hmm. assistantships, they have mentorships, um, they have several publications, they put out position statements to help uh, to help strength and conditioning coaches kind of back um, what they should be doing. And, and to, you know, you can use that position statement if you have, you know, a run in with administration or something on different ideals or principles. Um, again, there's the community issue, there's career services, you know, the NSCA has the job board and they're, they're always trying to help people get to that next, next good job. You know, and, and I mean, there are a lot of organizations that are in the exercise science realm, but they're not doing near the things that the NSCA is doing to, again, help its members. And at the same time, the profession itself. Yeah. Yep. You know, I'm going to piggyback off you too, Mike here. Um, Lance, you asked the question of why you should be involved yeah. or what she, uh, it's pretty easy. History is written by the people who show up Yep. and the more you're around, the more you're involved, the more your voice is heard, the more you can push things to sort of to your agendas, making sure they're lined up with the agenda of the NSCA and your institution, but it just leads to more opportunities down the road. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll be honest with both of you. So, Patty, you know I'm a hunter. Um, 
and mm-hmm. it really like I didn't start thinking about this whole like we should be supporting the NSCA and getting involved in the NSCA until I started to find out more about and learn more about conservation, right? And how it is a grassroots thing where it starts with the individual hunter who tries to get in yep. and, and, and perform conservation acts, right? And so that that's what kind of got my mind spinning that also helped me reason to start this podcast because I was tired of hearing people talk about training. It's like we have other things to talk about. Absolutely. Like it's cool to talk about squatting and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like this stuff is a little bit more important than that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, is, it is, you know, it's, it's just like the strength coach at the collegiate level. We wear a lot of hats. Even if your your only role is strength and conditioning coach, there's so much that goes into that position. Um, you know, as, as members of the NSCA, there's several, several things you can do just as a volunteer to help the organization, which then drives the profession forward. Yep. Perfect segue. Tell us some of the things we can do. What can we jump in on? How can we get involved? Volunteer. It's a volunteer-based organization. Volunteer. Um, the easiest thing to do, honestly, is just to get a hold of your state director, get a hold of your regional director, at least get to know their names. Um, mm-hmm. Go to the clinics that they host. Just show up. Ask if you can help. Ask to present. Um, ask if you can set up chairs. You know, um, ask if you can, you know, be um, somebody that maybe maybe I did uh, at the Great Lakes Regional Conference two years ago. I did a, a presentation on uh, speed agility drills for large groups. You know, ask if you can be the person standing out there showing how to do the drill. You know, just just help out. Um, join a SIG maybe. Um, we've got lots of SIGs now. Um, the special interest groups, I think they've added – I want to say in the last three years, they've added three or four. I'm probably wrong, but there's been a couple. Um, and now that we're integrating with social media more, um, there's been a, a real renaissance or revitalization of our of our special interest groups. Um, I can tell you that uh, when Brian Mann took over the, the college coaches special interest group, it blew up. Um, I mean, in the, the, the first year he was he was the chair. They had to have added over a thousand members at least. Um, and the growth has, has stayed almost constant. Um, since that time. And it's, it's great. You know, it's great to, you know, use social media for more than posting pictures of your squat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Mike, if you don't post a picture of your lift, did it ever really happen? Did you really do it? That's yeah. a good question. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, uh, and I'm sure Carmen can echo this with all the positions mm-hmm. he's playing right now. Volunteer, you know, yes, we do a lot of unpaid work in our profession, but if you're really passionate about it and you really want to see things get better, you know, help, just help out. Yep, exactly. And when Lance was part of our staff, went down to the Wisconsin State Clinic. I mean, we just, like you said, we volunteered setting up chairs, mm-hmm. doing the pre-registration stuff, you know, the stuff that no one wants to do. And it's amazing the people that you sort of run into doing yep. that. All of a sudden you're having a conversation with Dr. Suckamel, who's our state chair, um, you know, this year our undergrad interns were sort of looking at me wide-eyed and blinking because Brian Mann's sitting down and they with us for dinner at night before the clinic, and they're—I don't know if they're, uh, you know, undergrad interns, so I don't know if it's a mixture of awe or just who is this yeah. guy <laughs> talking like he knows everything because he probably he pretty does. much does. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Did you guys go to the same restaurant we went to, Pata, with uh, the all-you-can-eat fish? Uh, no, we tried a new pizza joint. Okay. Yep. Um, looking into the future here, and, and I think before we get into like what the future of the profession looks like, and, and you guys can give, give like super simple yes-no answer if you want to, but thoughts on, and I know I didn't give you this previously, but thoughts <laughs> on unionization, because I think that's kind of something that keeps popping up. It does. It definitely does. Pat is laughing. Maybe he wants to talk first. <laughs> well, uh, unions are such a polarizing conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are either completely pro-union or pro anti-union. And, I mean, you look at the f- idea when they first founded in the U.S. I mean, that was absolutely needed. You go back and read some of the, some of the articles about the jungle, the meat packers in Chicago – you know, if any of that is is verbatim or uh, the author took a little creative liberty with that, that was absolutely needed. Um, 
I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think we're quite in that it's kind really, of situation. No, no, no we're not. not. <laughs> but we're still, I mean, we said it before. I mean, we both laughed at the beginning of the conversation when Lance said, okay, we're averaging, what, $25 an hour? And everyone's first thought was, well, is that supposed to be a 40-hour work yeah. week? Because, I mean, that's to Wednesday, basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, one thing, when people talk about unionization, one of the things they have to keep in mind is our field is still in its infancy, especially in the U.S. It's been around less mm-hmm. than 100 years. So, you know, it's it's going to evolve. It's going to change. And, again, I keep coming back to it. If we want – we need to – push for the change we want to see we need to be we need to be the change you know um again we need to to help the next generation we've got to to stand up for the things that we think are are appropriate in our field and and at our at our places of work um and i I think that'll i think that will help to mold things and, and push them in a better direction but unionization with unionization comes a lot of politics yeah. and that I feel like that tends to, I think that that tends to make things more muddy than, than help out, especially in a field like ours where, you know, you could, you could have two of the best strength coaches in history and they do completely opposite programs, you know, which one's, which strength coach is better than the other who should get paid more. Well, there's, there's just so much variability. Yeah. And I'm looking to hopefully do an entire episode on uh, the unionization of strength and conditioning, what that would look like. So if you guys are interested in that, just let me know on that. Um, But let's look future wise now, like what's, what's strength and conditioning going to look like in 20 years? Are we, are we going to start seeing the pay gap close down? Are we going to see, I don't want to say fewer master's degrees, but are we going to, are we going to see people having to get doctorates now to get jobs that you had to have master's for? beforehand mm, i gotcha so we're going the pt route yeah uh i think the pt uh physical therapist can push for the phd or terminal degree in their field because they are funded more or less by health insurance mm-hmm. yeah and that you know if private institutions had to completely pay out of pocket for those professionals without the extra benefit of um, the health insurance, I don't think it's even close that they'd be able to pay at that compensation level. Um, You know, one of the questions that was brought up on our campus is should athletes' health insurance help cover the cost of um, athletic training and strength and conditioning? Hmm. Because we are catching... We're sort of that frontline medical professional, right? Of, you know, we had a uh, one kid whose appendix ruptured, and he wasn't going to go see a doctor until I walked him down to the to the athletic training staff and said something is wrong with this kid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's beyond my knowledge. Help him out, and yeah, he got rushed to the hospital and had emergency had three emergency surgeries over the course of the week. Otherwise, I mean, kid would have probably died if we didn't intervene. Jeez. And it's crazy, but that's sort of that's where we're at. Yeah. So I I think yeah I don't know if I answered your question. No, I, that's, I don't know either. To be honest with you, <laughs> I mean, you know, one thing I found when talking to Carmen, he may not answer the question, but man, are his stories good. Oh, no, okay. So this is something I always tell people when I mention Carmen. I still remember this. We're sitting in the office, and back then we shared one big office. Mm-hmm. And Pat is basically set up behind me from where I'm sitting, and I'm facing against the other wall. And uh, he turns to me and says, you know, like, Lance, okay, we're going to do, and then it just stops. He turns back to his computer. He starts typing. So I'm, like, waiting. <laughs> and I'm, like, this is awkward. Nothing happens for a while. So I'm, like, okay, I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing. So I start typing away, and maybe like 10 minutes later, he finishes the sentence he started. <laughs> I'm just like, what happened? <laughs> so so getting back to your question on the future of the profession. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think when we look at strength and conditioning as a whole, I think we have a very bright future. There are mm-hmm. jobs opening up on several levels. We're getting more people to work with um, – Semi-pro and small pro sports, um, you know, like rugby in the USA is growing. Lacrosse yep. is, is booming. We're getting more strength coaches to work with those teams. 
Um, high school sector is growing big. Tactical is really booming, um, you know, with the military yeah. consulting with the NSCA on their new uh, standards for the Army, I believe. You know, that's going to help us. We're getting more media coverage. Um, and unfortunately, some of it's not always good, but mm-hmm. um, coverage is coverage. Publicity is publicity. So <laughs> people, right. are, people, are, people are starting, you know, we can even see with our athletes. Our athletes are starting to come to college already kind of knowing what strength and conditioning is, either because they did something like that with a private strength coach or with a high school strength coach or with a certified sport coach when they were in high school. It's it's starting to come. I, I hesitate to say mainstream, but it's starting to we're starting to, to come out from the cave and into the sunlight, you know, and I yeah. think things look promising. There's a lot of beneficial things coming our way. The NSCA is really working to push the field forward. But that doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean it's not going to take work. It will take work. But you know what? We're strength coaches. That's what we do. We work. So yeah. we shouldn't be afraid of that. So, Pat, just going back to that yeah. story you told with your athlete in the appendix, um, why is it that athletes just refuse to go talk to the trainers when they have something wrong with them? It's basically free. Like, it's just free health care for them, and they don't even want to use it. Yeah, basically. I mean, I don't know. There <laughs> depends on the sport, man. Yeah. The kid I was talking to was a football player, and in my mind, there's always a really fine line between tough and stupid. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you just that can be beneficial. You know, it, it very can. It can be very, very easily. Um, I think the first thing it takes a lot of uh, mental fortitude to be able to admit. Went to yourself when something isn't right and that you need help. I mean, we see it across the board in almost any field, um, especially when it's, I mean, athletes are recruited to college. It doesn't matter what level, D1, 2, or 3, on their ability to play the game. Yeah. And that is an extremely physical, physically demanded trait. Saying that you, there's something wrong, sort of puts a tarnish or perceived tarnish on their ability to play. So I think they that's why they try to mask injury, mask illness, because they're they don't want to be seen as soft or yeah. they don't want to they have this perceived idea that they're gonna lose their role because mm-hmm. of X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Yeah. So my last question, and I don't know if it's necessarily a question, but are we and maybe you guys know more about this than I do, but are we ever going to see a day where the the NSCA and the CSCCA start kind of holding hands and doing stuff, or is that kind of a pipe dream? It's a great question. That's a great question. Yeah, it's I'd... It would be very beneficial if it did happen, um, yeah. but, you know, that's one of the things that's definitely at the, at the highest levels um, of administration for both organizations. Um, yeah. You know, and unfortunately – the more stratified the field gets with different organizations, um, the less the less strength we have as a profession. Mm-hmm. So there there are, there have been a lot of talks, um, and there there are some things that we're working on right now, trying to partner on some agendas. Um, but you know everybody's kind of looking out for their own best interest, and that doesn't always mean the interest of the field, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. I agree with you on that, Mike. It's It gets really muddy as soon as you start throwing other groups involved, which, don't get me wrong, I think a little bit of competition is a good thing. Mm-hmm. To a point, right? When we're talking about professional competition, you know, I think from, I started, I joined the NSCA in 1999. And from then until now, I've seen the industry change a little. Change, I've seen the profession change and I think one of those big pushes was when the CSCCA came into being Mm -hmm. and which is good I mean I'm my background is in biology I'm a huge believer in catastrophic evolution you don't change until there's an absolute need to change Mm -hmm. so well and having the CSCCA um, you know having mm -hmm. the two organizations keeps keeps each one sharp yeah Yep. You know, and, and in a way we benefit from it, um, maybe more individually uh, as a profession. I, not so much. Um, I don't believe. Um, but it's, you know, it's good and it's bad. Yeah, I yep. agree. 
So guys, I think it's been about 45 minutes we've been talking, so I won't hold you too much longer. Uh, do you guys have any closing thoughts? Just anything that you took away you, or something that maybe that didn't get said that you'd like to say to close out and just, you know, anything? Well, I'm going to reiterate some of the points that Mike brought yeah. up. Just get involved. I mean, I talked to my talked to the interns, and Lance, you've heard this too. Just get involved. Go volunteer. It doesn't matter where what you're volunteering at with the NSCA, with some state or regional things, or just for all the listeners who are just on their campus who want to get involved in the field. Um, it's amazing what happens when you just walk into a gym, talk to who's ever in charge, and say, what is your worst job here, and can I do it for mm-hmm. you? And just getting your foot in the door and being able to start your career, even if not even start your career, just allows you to ask people ideas, and as you're folding towels or scrubbing bars, you get a chance to BS with people and you start picking up new ideas, new ways of thinking and just helping you grow as a professional. Yeah. yeah it's uh, yeah. Volunteering. If you're passionate about it, be a part of it. I mean, really, um, mm-hmm. I always tell um, the students and the interns that I work with um, when it comes to your job, always, always strive to be an asset, not a liability, <laughs> you know? So if you, you know, and the same thing goes for our field, you know, don't sit there and, and ask, you know, point fingers and look around and ask who's going to help me, you know, help yourself. And that helps mm-hmm. helping yourself helps us all. Yeah. I mean, you just got to get in the habit of doing more than what you're paid to do. Yeah. yeah which is, I mean, because, second you know, nature I've, for us. Yeah. Right. For us. <laughs> absolutely. It's, you know, when it comes down to time for a raise, I mean, what boss is going to, when you knock on your administrator door and say, hey, I really need a raise. And if I do this, then I'll start doing some more duties, everything else. It doesn't work that way. You need to start doing those things first. And then when it comes time for a raise or some other compensation, it's a pretty easy decision of, hey, Mike's doing this, Lance is doing this. We need to take care of them a little bit better. Yeah, Yeah, you have to prove your value first. And, and, in our field, um, sometimes you have to document that value um, because it doesn't get, always get noticed. But um, you, you definitely, if you want to move up, you got to prove your value first. Prove that that you're a big asset um, to where you are. No, and I don't really have a closing thought other than that. I hope that uh, this episode reaches enough people and that they actually start discussing this and hopefully also starting to get more involved in what's going on behind the scenes of the industry. Um, other than that, thank you guys for taking time out of your Sundays and sitting down and chatting with me. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely, Lance. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for letting us be a part of this. Is a, like, yep. like you said, there's more to talk about than sets, reps and exercises. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm really glad that, that people are not only recognizing that, but they're joining in the discussion. And again, that, that helps push things forward. So glad to be a part. Awesome. Yep. And if there's anything we could ever do, just reach out. Always happy to help.